I don't like to be sad. All right. Well, do we like to say hello? Hi. Uh, I'm Dan. Hi, Hi, I'm Patrick. I'm Carrie. And welcome to the 2021 Academy Awards. Can't believe it. During the dark times of cinema when nobody was able to go to the movie theaters. Because of a global pandemic, these unprecedented times. The global panini. No, that would be a large sandwich. Mm, yeah. Uh, but we still have picked one film from the year. and Well, the computer picked yeah, it. Yeah. And what it won for and three other categories at random to go with it. This one was a bit of a weird year. Uh, well, aren't you going to tell them what we were, are watching? Well, I, I start with the Academy Award facts, oh, usually. Okay. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, uh, oldest to get a competitive ask, acting Oscar. I wanted to watch that film. Because he was 83. Uh, you should watch that let, film. The Francis McDormand facts, would you like to see here? Seventh person to get three acting Oscars. Third to get three best Best Oscars, as in not supporting, mm-hmm. and second, I uh, best actress three times. Hmm. Meryl Streep and uh, Catherine Hepburn. Well, no, there were only they two. The ones two there were there's only one other lady that did it. The third to do the the other the guy who did mm-hmm. best actor three times is Daniel Day Lewis. Okay, but it's Meryl Streep is the other one. I'm pretty sure it's Meryl Streep. It doesn't say. Okay, but that sounds like something she would do. Yes, I'd believe yes. that. Mm-hmm. Uh Fourth consecutive year where someone got acting and songwriting nominations in the same year. This is a trend, apparently. That's crazy. (laughs) Huh. Well, it is saying something that you can have singers in movies. It happens all the time. Mm -hmm. But you don't get nominated for a mediocre performance just because you also wrote a song. They have to at least be a good actor or actress. Maybe, yeah, maybe they're just, you know, right. giving them extra nominations, but I don't know. Uh, what we did watch is possibly the most Oscar bait movie you can have that's not about current politics. Without it's, being about current politics. Yeah. But it, it, about current politics. It had well, politics It had in politics it. in it, but it wasn't current <laughs> politics. Oh, wait. Aren't all politics current politics? No. Maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, but it's a movie called Mank, which is spelled like monk, but with an A. Uh-huh. Uh, and is about a guy whose name is Mank Owitz. Mank Owitz. He is the, as purported by the film, primary mm-hmm. script writer of Citizen Kane. He was, Mr. Mankowitz, I decided to pull up his work. He was a working script writer, but essentially he was not quite ghostwriter, but he was a background guy who would fix scripts. Mm-hmm. And the one that's referenced in this movie a few times is A Wizard of Oz, but also uh, ones that it lists here, Man of the World, Dinner at Eight, Pride of the Yankees, and The Pride of St. Louis, which I understand were, you know, notable movies at the time. Uh, Pride of St. Louis is a biographical film about Dizzy Dean, who was one of them real good baseball guys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Just to pull up one of them. And... He is... I don't have much about him on this Wikipedia page that stands out, except that there is a headline, uh, there's a full section in headlined Alcoholism and Death. Yeah. Well, because he died of alcohol. Yeah. Well, alcohol-related mm-hmm. issues, I think. There yeah. has been another film about the creation of Citizen Kane. In fact, there have probably been more than one. 
But mm-hmm. the other one noted on here is a film called RKO 281, which was made in 1999 and starred, I believe Liv Schreiber is uh, going to be Orson Welles, but John Malkovich plays Mankiewicz mm. in that one. In this one, he's played by Gary Oldman, someone who we've managed to dodge him as well. Yeah. And I don't know how. Right. He is an insanely well-traveled actor at this point. His first uh, performance was in 1979 in the theater. His film debut was in 1982. But during those early years, he was only in the Royal Shakespeare Company. Okay. So, you know. Right. A, a small deal. He played Rosencrantz. In Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's your go-to Gary Oldman movie? Because mine's uh, mine's Fifth Element. You, well, that was a rather extraordinary and unusual performance for him. Oh, definitely. But some of his more recent work, I think, has been very good. Um, I would put out there. I'm trying to think of which one. No. What's He's funny good. is that he does a very he plays. There's a lot of actors who they play heroes well or they play villains well. Like, John Travolta, no, I don't see him play good guys very much. He plays a good bad guy. And Tom Hanks is kind of the opposite. He doesn't play bad guys all that often. He plays a real good good guy. Gary Oldman does both real good. He does. I, I think um, The Darkest Hour, I think I would... Put right up there as one, in, recent work that in one really of good. the classes that I was subbing for, uh, the teacher was having them I mean, watch at the high school. At the high school. Mm-hmm. The, it was a it was a world history class, and the teacher was having them start watching Darkest Hour, and I'll be dipped. I couldn't tell it was Gary Oldman. Wow. Yeah. Well, it, there's, it was there's, good. he's got so much makeup on, and he's got such an accent going yeah. on. Yeah, he did really well in yeah. that. Um, of course, he was Commissioner Gordon in the Batman. He is, in films, fact, so. going to be a check mark in our superhero movie and our Harry Potter mm-hmm. <laughs> because he was Commissioner Gordon for three movies, and he is the character Sirius Black in Harry Potter, which means, uh, if I'm remembering correctly, he was a werewolf. Oh dear! I might be remembering my Harry Potter wrong, but that's whatever. He got uh, the Academy Award for Best Actor for Darkest Hour. And that's his one award that he's got actually won. Mm-hmm. But he's he's just done so much. Everyone is going to have a favorite Gary Oldman movie mm-hmm. if you've he watched was, movies uh, the last thirty. Lee years. Harvey Oswald in JFK. Oh, okay. How about that? Mm-hmm. Where was the one where he's? Oh, he was the villain in Leon the Professional, which I hear was a good movie. That was that was an interesting one too. All right, who else was in this movie? There's not a lot of big names in this one. There's. Uh, a lot of relatively new actors to the scene. So we won't be seeing a ton of history go back. I think part of that's that this is a Netflix thing. They get a couple of big big names and then they go with who is popular so they can save them some money. Or were they doing it like Citizen Kane? It's possible. Where most of mm-hmm. the actors in Citizen Kane were um, relative unknowns. Maybe. Uh, the... I don't know if there was really a female lead, but she's the attractive. She was the attractive, you know, well lit female lead. I uh, was Marion in this film. Oh, um, you weren't talking about the typist. No, I uh, the I uh, she was played by Amanda Seyfried. 
Seyfred. Seyfred? Seyfred. Uh, I'm not sure how you Wiki- pronounce Wikipedia it. does have a pronunciation guide. Okay. It is Seyfred. Uh, she got her start at age 15 on As the World Turns. Working actress. Yeah. And then eventually All My Children. Okay. And then Mean Girls. To- which we've seen here. Uh, a but long then, time ago. But then, for those of those of you who TV shows, Veronica Mars, <laughs> which was a thing, and then yeah, she just kept being in things. Mm-hmm. She she was in the movie that shall not be named. We're not going to name it. We're not, but she was. Hmm. Oh, she was in Scoob, the 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 animated prequel movie to Scooby Doo. <laughs> <That's> funny. <laughs> because we needed one of those. I. Uh, she got nominated for Best Supporting Actress for this movie. Oh. Which I think I think is okay. I think she did a decent, you know, for what she was asked that, to do. That nomination is fitting, yeah. I think. And she also got uh, nominated for the SAG in the cast. So not individually, but as a cast for the musical Les Mis in 2012. So, good stuff all around. I, I did pull up uh, the... Profile for the typist, uh, played by Lily Collins. And she got her breakthrough in The Blind Side. Oh. Which I hear was a good movie. Was she one of the kids? In The Blind Side? Yeah. Probably? I don't She's I don't probably remember that one. of an age that she would have been one of the kids. Yeah. But then she did, like, sci-fi stuff, action stuff. It's a relatively recent addition to the acting scene, but... She played Mrs. Tolkien in the movie Tolkien. Huh. Hmm. So, all right. Is she actually British? Uh, She is, in fact, British-American, born in Surrey. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we'll take it. Other than that, there's not a ton of other actors that we necessarily need to pay too much attention to. Except for the one-scene cameo of Upton Sinclair... Right. Mom, did you recognize his voice? I did not. Dad did, or yeah. did, or did, had you looked it up already? Um, I recognized the voice, but I couldn't pinpoint it until I looked it up. Yeah, he was in fact William Nye, oh, the science guy. He was in fact the science guy. Yeah. Huh. Who? Fun time. Fun fact. Do you know how long Bill Nye the Science Guy ran? Um, is he off the air? I mean, he, he, yeah, it oh. ran for five years. That's well, it. I was gonna say ten. No, and then he had a Netflix show for a year or two. Huh. And he's he's stayed relatively I current. I thought the Science Guy was ran way longer than No, that. 93 to 98. Wow. Yeah, he has stayed relevant mostly because if he, he's espousing ideas that sound... I mean, whether or not they're right or not, he's mm-hmm. a face that everyone would be like, he's the Science Guy, we listen to him. And then his ideas make sense, so you keep listening to him. If he was a science guy and he was spouting off about things that didn't make sense, he wouldn't still have a career. Yeah. But, yeah, he is the the guy of science. And we all know his theme song very well. We're, we're not yep. going to sing it. We're not going to sing I mean, it's just us chanting Bill over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I... I thought that was kind of an interesting ad. I wonder if it's because he was associated with Netflix stuff or because they asked him, they were looking for people to play Upton Sinclair and he went, that guy had some forward thinking ideas. I want to play that guy. I think it was his agent got him a part. Yeah. 
And apparently someone was playing Charlie Chaplin in this. Maybe it was in that big uh, dinner party scene at the end. Because uh, Wikipedia says that a lot of Hollywood people are represented, but not necessarily with major, like, pay attention to this person. Like, there's mm-hmm. someone in there who is portraying Clark Gable. There's mm-hmm. someone in there who's portraying Greta Garbo. But they're never pointed out. It's not like, mm-hmm. have you, you know, can, have you met this person? They're so-and-so. So, I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. It... I didn't necessarily see cameos or yeah. see other familiar faces. So yeah. Now the development of this film is actually kind of interesting because this film was written by Jack Fincher. Don't know him. Jack Fincher was an American screenwriter. Obviously, you know, father of film director David Fincher, who has done a few things. David Fincher is going to be best known for doing things like. Well, he started with Alien 3, which was okay. Mm -hmm. Then he did 7, which was a kind of a big deal. Mm -hmm. Then he did Fight Club. That's different. Which was kind of a big deal. Zodiac, Social Network, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, Curious Case of Benjamin Button, Gone Girl. Huh. Yeah. And his dad wrote this script back in the 90s and was originally, he wrote it basically for his son. Mm Mm-hmm. And David was going to make it after he made the film The Game in 1997. Okay. And originally had Kevin Spacey as the main lead mm-hmm. and Jodie Foster playing the hot lady. However, it never mm. got off of the ground. Partially because David Fincher said, what? No, make it in black and white. It's an old movie. Mm-hmm. And movies like The Pianist and the Artist mm-hmm. hadn't quite happened yet to convince everyone that... Black and white movies. Can Black still and white happen. movies can still work, mm-hmm. and so it never happened. And then Jack Fincher died in two thousand and three, oh. and the movie got put on the back the back burner. But once I uh, David Fincher was done with films like traditional films, mm-hmm. he then directed House of Cards and oh. Mindhunter, oh. both on Netflix. Oh, and so now he was in good with Netflix, mm-hmm. and Netflix has the Netflix money. Well, and this could this is then a a pet project, yeah. Also. But of course, it turned into the most nominated film at that year's Academy Awards with ten nominations. Wow! Unfortunately, not winning for screenplay, much to you know the rolling. Oh, it didn't. It did not win for screenplay. What well, won, won for screenplay? Uh, it, was it nominated for screenplay? Oh, it, oh, yeah. They, yeah. They, they would be foolish to not nominate it for yeah, screenplay. Yeah, well, that's what I thought. Oh, no, they were foolish. Were they? Oh, no, were they foolish? They were foolish. It was not even nominated for screenplay. Nope, it wasn't. Skip, missed both of them. Hmm. Huh. Hmm. And I have... The the father is one of the ones that won for screenplay. Mm-hmm. I don't know the other one, and so I couldn't speak on it. Okay. But this is a movie that m- makes me want to watch it again to see if I picked up on the clever... Mm-hmm camera work that they were doing or the lighting yeah the, the cinematography yeah which is good because it was at least nominated for did it win for cinematography i think it won for cinematography i thought we were looking at we're looking design. at production design we're just looking, double checking yes. cinematography yes. it did good yes. job me mm. picking up on stuff like that but we are looking primarily at the production design of mm-hmm. how well they made it look like the 30s and 40s mm. and i mean it looked it looked good. Yeah, yeah. There was, was one time I I 
pointed out to Dan, there was really interesting use of shadows through um, horizontal window blinds. That the way yeah. that shadows would be cast on yeah. the wall and and give extra texture to what would usually be just a boring white wall. Yeah, the a second watching of this film I think would tell me a lot about the use of light and dark shadows, gray mm-hmm. tones mm-hmm. that is something that you can have the luxury to think about in black and white. Mm -hmm. If this movie was made in color, I don't think that Mm -hmm. clever use of contrast would have come across. I don't think so. I agree. I I don't know... Also, it would have made the... The spoiler alert would have made the ending, uh, the use of uh, what looked like television footage and what looked like, uh, you know, archival footage... That would have been weird. That arc, that might be archival footage. Well, but if it wasn't televised, because we know that the Oscars began being televised. Oh, no, that, that, that one, yeah, but there was the clip from a radio show that didn't have any video with it. And I don't know if that was archival or not. It doesn't say. It could have been, but also that's mm-hmm. a pretty good fidelity recording for 1940s. No, I don't so probably so. not. Uh, what?! Oh, I, sorry. Uh, I skipped ahead to something we're not talking about, but now I have to talk about it. <laughs> oh, because now you've said, well, no. I want to see what I'm going to store. Apologies. We will be talking about it because one of our bonus categories is score. So we're going to talk about it. It's okay. fine. We don't have to skip ahead yet, but okay. we're going to talk about okay, it. Okay, but all the kids are now wondering. Oh, don't worry. The kids don't even know who we'd be talking about. Are there cookies? No, sadly. So... Production design, we like it. They did a good job. Yeah, it. I mean, it was it was one of those beautiful period pieces where it wasn't yeah. over the top, gaudy. Yeah, and the movies along with it are not going to be slouches in uh, production categories. So, like mm-hmm. The Father, mm-hmm. uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which mm-hmm. is a biographical drama about jazz. Mm-hmm. Uh, News of the World, which I don't know. Oh, that one's a western with Tom Hanks in it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's a method being put in there. And Tenet. Yeah. And, you know, when we put Christopher Nolan in charge of a movie, it probably looks okay. I know. That's the one Nathan said we should really... You really want that to be on the podcast. Yeah. Sadly, I wasn't in random numbers were not kind to mm-hmm. that one. So as we're as we're talking about actors, I have, a, I have one little tidbit with regard to that. When, All right. When the time comes. Oh, I thought we already did that. We better just sneak it in it now. Might be, it might be right. my... my um, your tidbit of the day? Yeah, my trivia yeah. tidbit. Well, we can talk then about our first bonus category, which is interesting because the guys who won for best score also worked on this movie. Oh. This movie was nominated. The winner was, unsurprisingly, Soul. Oh, yeah. Okay. So let me tell you about the guys who did the music for this one because they are usual guys that work with... David Fincher. One of them is a guy by the name of Atticus Ross. He's an English mm-hmm. guy, does all sorts of audio stuff. Uh, he got the Academy Award for Social Network. Uh, he got a Grammy for The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Uh, things like that. Uh, he is uh, a frequent collaborator outside of film with the other guy that worked on this movie. His name is, name is Trent Reznor. And you may be thinking, that sounds like a pretty hardcore name for a guy that makes movie music. Well, that's because he's the uh, main vocalist 
instrumentalist and songwriter for Nine Inch Nails, which is listed as industrial rock. And if you had to say the opposite genre of industrial rock, I would say 1940s Plinky Plonky Piano. Huh. But they also did the music for Soul. Huh. And got the award for that. I gotta really, I gotta wrap my head around that. And that's a lot. Usually they go for a synth heavy style, and in this time they went no, period instrumentation. Well, that, that, and then the pandemic hit, so they said, okay, everyone in the orchestra, here's your music, stick a tape recorder in it. (laughs) And literally, they recorded all of the orchestral, everyone did it themselves in the comfort of their own, wherever they could record. Sent it off to the, you know, music guy who spliced it all together. Well, that's a ton of work. Interesting. Yep. Interesting mix of work for this guy. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Look, Trent Reznor, I was shocked when I realized that, oh, no, he actually knows what's up. Nine Inch Nails is not a bad band by any sense of the imagination. They are not putting out, they're trying to do stuff. Now it's not necessarily things everyone likes because mom because would, mom says mom no. mom says no but it's kind of in the same way that I I disturbed which mom did again yeah not mom music but they are trying to do they are trying to actually create music not make money and the mm-hmm. fact that their music makes money is a bonus mm-hmm. and anytime I can have I can see someone that is in a genre I don't like but they're making music for the sake of music and the fact that it makes money is cool, that's worth mm-hmm. that's worth paying attention to. Yeah. And apparently Mr. Reznor has really figured out his thing, and his thing is, yeah. huh, I'm actually good at film scores. Yeah, all right. So, props to him. Our next bonus category is Best Animated Feature, which this movie will not qualify for, and was won by Soul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, back on the Disney train there. Uh it is worth noting that nominated this year for animated feature film is a Sean the Sheep movie Farmageddon from the guys who made Wallace and Gromit. So in the year of our Lord, twenty twenty well, that came out in twenty nineteen, but it was still showing in theaters in twenty twenty. So it was eligible for the awards this year. You know, miracles can happen. The guys doing yeah. it are good at it. And it was Shaun the Sheep is a sequel. This was a sequel to the Shaun the Sheep movie. Based... Okay. Oh my god. Okay. That seems <laughs> kind of deep. <laughs> but obviously, this movie was not animated. Mm. Would not be on the list. Uh, they would be on the list for best costume design, though. Well, but you've got a good period piece. That's always a. That's always some good Oscar bait. Yep, and they costumes. were nominated for costumes. Uh, the costumes were done by a lady by the name Trish Somerville. She is best known for her work on The Hunger Games Catching Fire, which I hear was a thing. And also David Fincher movies, such as The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo and Gone Girl. Hmm. Ooh. And she was nominated for an Emmy for the TV show Westworld, which, okay. which I hear was a thing. Yeah. So good on her. Uh, the Jazz Movie. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom got costumes another because period, another, another period, period piece, but mm-hmm. with shinier costumes and in color, 
maybe that pushed it over the top. Yeah. But but she was nominated. She was nominated. Yeah. And I think deservingly so. Deservingly yeah. so. I. It was a little weird. The secretary lady they had in their writers' room. <laughs> But, but yeah. that also seemed accurate to the time, unfortunately. Who, no, who was not credited in, yeah. in the film. But. I think it just seemed... <laughs> I think they were just setting a mood. Yeah. Like, I think so, too. Costuming. But But it worked well, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, in any case, what's your fun fact? Well, I was continuing to look at some of the actors, and I checked out... Because I was just curious. Charles Dance. Yeah. Who played Hearst. Yeah. In this film. The guy's work record is extraordinary. I mean, the amount of work that he has done since mid-70s. And he's, what, 76 years old or something like that right now? Oh, he and was his, in Game of Thrones. And, his, and he was in <laughs> Game of Thrones, yeah. I mean, a bunch of, a bunch of stuff that I would recognize. Um, but doing current work, a bunch he's, of current work. He's in The Crown, He's Lord Mountbatten. Yeah. That's where I recognize there him. There we go. Right. But, I mean, he's got three or four 2021 credits and several 2022 credits and about four or five 2020 credits and uh, six 2019 credits. I mean, this guy lately has been really busy. Yeah. Which I find really, I mean, just admirable. For, for a guy his age? For a guy his age. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of work. But I think I just think it's really cool. All right. Well, that's great. All right. We, wa- we want to thank the Academy for doing its job and thereby pointing us in the direction of quality filmmaking. Bye. Bye.